Good evening, church. Good evening. So as we were just singing that last song, um, singing about our need, my God, my God, I need you now. I was struck by the reality that how much I need him and how little I often think about that. Um, When I'm coming on stage to speak, forgetting how desperately I need God right now. And I imagine in each of your lives, there are spaces of absolute need. And so what I want to do before we even get into the message right now is just take a few moments for us to just pray. So I'm just going to lead you through a few quick prayer prompts out of a heart of desperation. So first, I want to invite you to just pray about whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever you sense is that desperate need that you have of God where, where you need him to come through. Would you just confess that to him and pray for him to step into those spaces? As I just mentioned, I am up here and I'm going to be communicating things from the word of God, the scriptures. And that means that for me to have any hope of being able to communicate it well or be able to communicate it in a way that um, the spirit of God might use it in your hearts, that has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. So would you do me the honor and the privilege of praying for me as I communicate tonight? You're sitting in rows right now of individuals who are also in desperate need. They need to hear from the voice of our Father tonight. So would you pray for the person on your right and on your left, behind you, in front of you. People that you know well, people that you've never even met before. Would you pray for one another right now that we would be receptive to whatever God has for us in this space tonight. Thanks, guys. Well, I like to think sometimes about what it would be like to follow Jesus in person. Like, what would it have been like to be the disciples? I think that's why I like the TV show The Chosen so much. Um, I, was, I was not a quick start on jumping on board The Chosen Wagon. People had to tell me for about two years to watch this show before I finally got into it. But once I got into it, I was like, this is good stuff. Um, they do a killer job helping the Gospels, the, the documentary of Jesus kind of come to life, right? And in it, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch the show, um, I won't um, get, do any spoilers except um, it's all in the Bible. Uh, and uh, uh, But one of the things I love about it is how you see these individuals that you, just, that you read about in the scriptures and you see them come to life. You see that these are real people with real dreams and desires and emotional states. They get hungry. They laugh at their friends. They do all these things, right? So you get to see individuals like Mary Magdalene or Peter. Um, You get to see Jesus in the real emotions, desires, and passions that the individuals would feel, right? It's cool. 
But what I really love about the show is that the focus of it is all on the chosen, Jesus' closest followers, the individuals who he chooses, and he calls them as a rabbi, as a teacher, to be his disciples. He calls them to come out of their ordinary lives into a path that is absolutely extraordinary. And they leave behind their careers and their stabilities so that they can go follow this itinerant rabbi as their rabbi, as their teacher. See, when, when, when a Jew of this day and age committed themselves to a rabbi, it wasn't like, a, yeah, I'll, I'll press subscribe to the podcast and I'll listen to it like when there's nothing better to listen to. It's not, it, was, it was an all in, all about whatever you say, I'm with you commitment. It was this idea that I follow blank. Like whatever you say, I do. There's, there's, there's no questioning it. I am attached to you. So they execute whatever the tasks that he gives them, that the rabbi would tell his disciples to learn from him, to witness the way that he lives, to do the things he's doing and to just be with him. And see, when I watch the show, that's the image I get. And like, I wish I had that, right? Where like, you literally were just following Jesus from one city to the next. You're like, oh, what do you want me to do? Yeah, it sounds great. Let's go do that thing. And you just kind of, you go. I want marching orders directly from Jesus. I want to learn straight from him. I want to watch and learn from the way that he lives. Now, we in the Christian world over the last like decade or so, we've adopted the language of being Christ followers or followers of Jesus. And I think that that is so good and such a great reminder for us. But Jesus isn't standing in front of us. So how do we follow somebody who isn't in front of us? If he isn't standing in front of us, what can so easily happen, I know this happens for me and I'd imagine it happens for you as well, is that we can so easily feel like because he isn't standing in front of us, then it is on us to figure it out. So we walk through this life, maybe believing that Jesus has come to save us, but then the effort is now all on us to make from there. And unfortunately, what I've witnessed um, in the lives of so many brothers and sisters along the journey of following Jesus is that this approach, this self-focused, self, um, self-driven approach, it might lead to some short-term results, but ultimately it leads to exhaustion, failure, and burnout. That's our best efforts. At least it's typically been mine. And so then we come to January 1st, new year. And we're like, new year, new you. I got like, I, this is the year. This is my 2020, I thought, but maybe 2020, no, 2023 is the year, you know? And you're like, this year, I'm gonna conquer all of it. Now, with that, one of our annual rhythms that we have as a church is every year, our elders begin to pray as the year is coming to close, what God has for us as a church for the year ahead. And what we discovered as we were praying through that is like, is God is what you want for us to just be on this endless treadmill of our own efforts? Or is it one that puts us onto a renewed path, a renewed vision? And so tonight I'm going to be unpacking for you our vision for this year, for this year of 2023. And what you'll notice is there's a lot of this, if you've been around with us for a while, that a lot of it's probably going to sound familiar in one way or another. But the hope is that what we'll talk about tonight 
and through the year to come is this idea of not doing a bunch of quote unquote new stuff, but it's about doing renewed stuff. It's about allowing our hearts and our minds and our eyes to be transformed by the power of the gospel. So I'm going to be unpacking the vision as well as throughout, I'm going to kind of share some exciting new invitations that exist for our entire community, whether this is your first time here or you've been here for years. So let me start off with the vision. Um, Spoiler alert, the vision's right there. It's walking in the dust of our rabbi. That's the vision. That's the image that we want to be transformed by in our thinking as we think about what it means to follow Jesus. Now, the phrase walking in the dust of the rabbi, that might seem a little odd. Like, why would you fall in somebody's dust like in your mouth? It like tastes gross, right? When you have dust in your mouth. But this phrase comes from an ancient rabbinic tradition. The idea was that disciples would follow the rabbi, metaphorically speaking, so close that the dust that is kicked up by their sandals would like cover you. Like you were that close to your rabbi. I like that image. Just as Jesus' original disciples followed in his steps, they learned from him. They participated with him. They enjoyed relationship with him. They followed in the dust of their rabbi. See, we for those of us who follow after Jesus are meant by just the virtue of saying that we are followers of Jesus, meant to see that Jesus is our truest rabbi. Not anybody that we listen to on a podcast, not the best authors we read, not me or anyone on any stage, not even our mentors or an individual who disciples you. Although those can all be helpful teachers on the journey. Jesus. Jesus is our rabbi. He is rabbi Jesus And so if we are followers of Jesus, then we need to realize and truly internalize that. It's not just better language than just saying Christian, but it is meant to point us to a foundational truth of what it looks like to truly know our rabbi. So this is what we mean by walking in the dust of our rabbi. Now in the book of John, chapter 15, we get an image of what this is actually supposed to look like. Because again, that's great. I love the idea that we follow in the dust of our rabbi. The only problem is our rabbi isn't in front of us. So how do we do that? How do we get covered in the dust of somebody who hasn't stepped foot on this earth for the last 2,000 years or so? What does that look like? Well, in John 15, we get an image of what it looks like to follow and to be close to and to abide with your rabbi. Jesus says, abide in me, John chapter 15, verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 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 I don't know if you guys are getting sick of me citing this passage so often, but hopefully you choose instead to memorize it because this is what our hearts need to remember. When we're tempted to think, now it's on me. No, it's on Jesus. We don't produce the fruit. Jesus produces the fruit through us. Our only focus is one directional. It's in the abiding with him. It's staying attached to him the way that a branch is attached to a vine. And he bears the fruit in us and through us. Now, 
Jesus in this context, in John 15, what's going on is he is talking specifically to his disciples. So he's talking to the people who are following in his dust. So we can look though and think, and think of that and go, well, it'd be a lot easier to abide with Jesus if Jesus is in front of you still, right? Like that makes sense. It would be a lot easier to, to, to understand what it looks like to follow him if he's in front of you. But then the next page, John chapter 16, next chapter over, John 16, verse seven, Jesus continues talking to his disciples, same talk, same pep talk. And he says this though, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Quite a pep talk, right? Like, so same, same pep talk, all right? On, on the one hand, stay close to me. On the, the other hand, I'm leaving. <laughs> and it's actually better for you that way. Like, what are you processing in that moment? This is a really weird sermon to get, right? You're like, well, I'm trying, okay, I get doing the first part, but the second part's gonna make the first part really difficult. But what Jesus is saying is that he knew that the best way for us to communicate and to engage with him was not to have him beside us, but to have his Holy Spirit, the helper inside us. He says that it is better that way. Still, there's a part in me that wants, that, that wants to be like, but seriously, Jesus, you know? But we see, we see that that's exactly not only what Jesus meant, not only what he believed, but if you read the book of Acts, like we did at Bible study over the last year, is you discovered that that is exactly what happens. It is better. The disciples who become the apostles are able to do far more than they could have ever imagined beforehand. Before they were super inconsistent with the spirit of God inside of them. They're transformed. They're renewed because they're abiding with Jesus. And not because he's right next to them, not because he's right in front of them. They are walking in the dust of their rabbi better without Jesus on the scene. It's crazy, right? So how do we do this? What, where do we do this? Well, when, as disciples of a rabbi in ancient Israel, if we were ra- disciples of this rabbi, we would have all known that the commitment was an all in one, a holistic commitment. Every aspect of life, we follow our rabbi. He gets to tell us where to go. We don't get to even question. We're just like, okay, that's where I, I'm going. Got it. I do it. So we participate with the rabbi. We join in with the rabbi in the exciting moments when he's telling us to do things that are crazy and unimaginable. And we follow him when the things he's asking us to do don't don't make sense and are pretty boring. We follow our rabbi. We walk in the dust of our rabbi. Honestly, when, when, when we were talking about this language of walking the dust of the rabbi, the image that came to my mind, uh, super old school, but back in the old Peanuts gang with Charlie Brown and friends, like Pigpen, you know what I'm talking about? And Pigpen, whenever he's on the screen, right? Like there's this dust cloud that's around him. Like you don't even need to see Pigpen. He kind of looks a lot like Charlie Brown personally, but like, but like, you know the difference because Charlie Brown does not have a pile of dust around him. Pigpen always does. Like that image. Where's the dust cloud going? I go there. Oh, it went over there. You know, I'm going over there because I'm following the dust of our rabbi. Wherever he leads, we go. But not only we have to go, we get to go. 
We get to go with our rabbi. So Jesus equips his disciples specifically to a a complete paradigm shift to their worldview, the way they thought about all of existence by saying that they were invited to bring the kingdom of heaven to bear on this earth. In Mark chapter three, in Mark chapter three, verse 13, Jesus, this is one of the recountings of Jesus calling his disciples to himself for the first time. And it says, he went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. The word apostle uh, means sent ones, individuals he was going to send out so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So what we see here already is the kingdom of God paradigm already beginning to percolate. So we discover two things that he wants to do with them. He appointed 12 disciples who he's going to call apostles so they can do two things. Be with him and might be sent out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So first, come and be with me. See, the disciples were invited to come and see the kingdom of God expand. Come and witness the preaching of Jesus. Come and witness the miracles that he was performing. But not only just watch, but eventually begin to participate in them. So they would be invited to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And then not only were they called to preach, they were called to participate in action, to do things like casting out demons. We find out in other spaces, like going and healing the sick. In other words, pushing back the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light, to be active participants. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, imagine if Jesus sent you out personally. Be a big deal. See, this... Now, those are kind of exciting tasks, right? Go and preach that the Messiah has come. The anointed one has come. He's here. Come and let the world know that the king, his kingdom is expanding now. That's exciting stuff. But I love how if you watch The Chosen, um, you start seeing just like how menial some of the tasks were though. Hey, can you go and secure a place for Jesus to be able to preach? Can you go and take care of the food and the water and setting up the campsite and like all that kind of stuff? Get the firewood, go, go fish. Like Jesus, like we're up to like some pretty big stuff here. We're preaching the kingdom. We're bringing the kingdom. And now you want me to go get firewood? And sometimes it can feel like that, right? Like God, call me to go do anything epic for you. I'm in. Just don't have me be bored. You see, in our lives, Jesus invites us into the same opportunity to actively participate with him in bringing both the truth and the implications of the kingdom of God into our world. And we do this as we tell other people about the king, as we talk about Jesus to people, as we let them know that he has saved your soul and he has invited you into the forever family of God So we proclaim the gospel. And we do this as we engage in acts of justice and mercy and love and sacrifice for others so that we can demonstrate the realities of the kingdom of light coming to bear in this world of darkness. 
I was thinking about uh, a very recent example that I've witnessed within our community. Um, a family within our biblical community recently part, um, participated with our Rabbi Jesus. And they did this by extending an invitation to others within our community. And what they did was they took, a, this is like, this isn't an official mosaic anything. They just took a decent amount of money that, that God had asked them to steward. And they divvied it up and gave it out to different people within our community to go and proactively be a blessing to others in need, both within our biblical community and within the community of Walt Disney World at large. I got to hear so many of the stories that came out of it. It was really cool. See, we get to participate with the Rabbi Jesus. We get to, it's not, a, it's not just a have to, it's a we get to. So if he tells us to go chop the firewood, I get to chop the firewood for Jesus? Like, come on. You want me to stay, you want me to stay in attractions, doing the same attraction over and over? I get to stay here and minister to the cast members here. Come on. I got passed up for the promotion again. I get to be here. We get to participate with our rabbi. That's a lot easier to say than it is to live in. I know. But it's beautiful, right? We get to participate with our rabbi. Now, another practical way that we officially do this as a community and that we step in is um, been a part of our DNA since basically the beginning of our, of our campus has been what we call hashtag uncommon love at WW. Uh, we just did this last Tuesday over at the Magic Kingdom area, and it's where we go to one of the parks or resorts and just go looking to, prayerfully looking to just encourage and love cast members right where they're at, to see them in the difficulties and the beauties of their day, to encourage them, to see where the conversation goes. And see, so we do this because it's just meant to be a reminder that we are not meant to just shut, be shut in a church building. Our faith, our spirituality with Jesus does not begin and end in a room like this. Because our rabbi isn't, isn't contained by walls like this. He's moving. He's moving. So we better go find that little dust cloud. And we're like, where do you want me to go? Where do, where do you send me? I'm with you. We go. And we do that whether the, the tasks are big or small, because we are his disciples and we get to. Um, one uh, kind of fun new thing I wanted to share with you guys is uh, um, our first piece of what we're calling like uncommon love swag. And uh, we, what we did was we made some umbrellas um, not like everything about them. We got them uh, screen printed on. Uh, so these are umbrellas. And these umbrellas, uh, you're going to be able to, throughout the year, be able to pick up from our blue shirts for $7. And, oh, okay. Open properly the first time. Okay. So it says, hashtag uncommon love at WDW. I want you to look for the mosaic bird on it. Do you see it? You missed it? They didn't print it on. Just kidding. Yeah. It's not on there. For the exact same reason on our Uncommon Love cards, we don't have anything about Mosaic on it. Because it's not about us. So what this is for is probably it's not even meant just for you. Um, these umbrellas are meant to be something that you can purchase and take to work with you. Keep it in your book bag, your purse, um, whatever the, those things are called maybe even. 
And the idea is we live in Florida. Is Florida consistent to let you know when it's going to rain today? No, Florida's very inconsiderate like that, you know? And how many of you have ever been at work and you got stuck without an umbrella? Not fun, right? And then you have to make that decision if you're running it from what your West Clock bus to your car um, and just see how drenched you can get before you get there. I was in guest relations and my costume was made out of wool. Um, <laughs> it stunk really bad afterward. Um, and how many times have you seen a friend, a fellow cast member who's stuck without an umbrella? So what if you participated with your rabbi Jesus with an umbrella in your book bag? So we're going to have these available um, for you to purchase. Feel free to use one if you'd like, but I would encourage you to have one in your, ba- your book bag that you can give away. And you just see when God is going to call you into participating with him. I keep one in mind so whenever I'm working at Disney that I can um, hand one away and say, hey, I bought this for you. How'd you know I need one? I didn't until right now. You need an umbrella. Here's an umbrella. I'll give it back to you. No, that'd be weird. Give it to somebody else if you really want to. But that's the heart of uncommon love, that we demonstrate the uncommon love of Jesus. So feel free to pick one of those up with our blue shirts later on. See, it's awesome that our rabbi invites us to participate in bringing redemption into our world, to filling practical needs, to filling extraordinary needs. He invites us in on his exploits. But here's what's crazy. He invites us in on his exploits, but he doesn't desire to exploit us. Here's why that matters. Do you like being used? Anybody love being used by a friend? Like you you realize like, I think they're just taking everything from me. No, right? That's not fun. It's not fun to be exploited, right? And so is Jesus calling us to do a bunch of stuff for him? No. What we discover through the, 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 um, in the scriptures about his disciples is they weren't just his workers, his unpaid interns. They were his friends to be cared for. They were his friends to joke around with. They were his friends to enjoy the beauty of simply being in relationship together. I love that image. I love how in The Chosen also, they uh, fill in some of the blanks about like what life would have actually been like. Like, what do you do after, you, after Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount? What does that look like next? Looks a lot like going around the campfire together, just being together. And see, we get this consistent image in the gospel that Jesus genuinely cared about his disciples. He enjoyed relationship with them. He, he ate with them. He even made the meal sometimes. Imagine what that's like. The creator of the cosmos in the flesh making you dinner. It's pretty cool, right? Now, sometimes Jesus would leave the crowds and he'd get away with this, what were numbered at the 72. And sometimes he'd go even, and oftentimes he'd go even further into the 12, the 12 chosen primary disciples. And what he was doing was he was giving them an image of the importance of coming together with one another, with other disciples, other followers of the rabbi. And so he constantly was bringing them back together and having them do relationship together, not just seeing them all as individuals with individual relationships with Jesus, but communally that we have a relationship with Jesus. And he laid the foundation, and this laid the foundation for the importance of what followers of Jesus are meant to do. 
continually come together. Even after Jesus left the planet, the church was united and brought together so that they could worship, take communion, eat a meal, sit under the scriptures, pray for one another. They were invited. They were invited. And they were invited not just to some solo individualistic relationship with Jesus, but a relationship together. And see, that's consistent and that tracks, right? Because Jesus said, we're two or more gather in my name. There I am as well. And then in Acts, we see that starting to live out. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And, we, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Jesus said that his evangelism strategy was very simple. Love one another. The world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. It's not slick marketing. It's genuine relationship together. And that makes sense if when two or more gather in his name, he is there also. So if we are gathering in his name, but yet we're constantly nitpicking and infighting and backstabbing and gossiping and triangulating against one another, it's not a great image. That's not something we want to invite Jesus into. But you see, when it's done well, when it's done right, What this is meant to point us to is this reality that when we come together, something really remarkable is happening. We are sitting around the campfire with our rabbi together. That's what happens when we come together tonight. Right now, Jesus is present with us. And I can say that with confidence because Jesus said so. And this is why the life of our biblical community has always been so vitally important to us as we gather Not just because we all need friends, although friendship is a good thing. Not just because we all need somebody to disciple or mentor us, even though that's also a good thing. We are invited to come together with the primary reason to experience the presence of Jesus, to sit and to walk in the dust of our rabbis to a campfire together and unite because he is present with us. Now, this is why as a community, we have always taken community life so seriously. Um, in, our, in, in the eight years, in just eight years I've been here, there were things that happened before I got here for the first couple of years. But just since I've been here, we have had so many different iterations of what we have done for community life. Um, some of you in the room have been here for most of this as well. Um, but we have had pizza night, game night, 
pizza and game night, discipleship night, um, discipleship equipping night. Those are different. Um, scripture equipping night. Um, during COVID, the amazing events team even held virtual events. Um, we did virtual prayer and worship nights. Uh, we have done in-person prayer and worship nights. We have done community events. We have done Taco Tuesday, Bible studies, community dinners. We've done a lot of different things, guys. It's not because we're like, oh man, we're always getting this wrong. It's because things are constantly changing in our community. The needs change. So how are we going to approach it now? See, the point is that what we have always held fast to is not that there is some sacred method to doing community life, but there is a sacred message in the gospel. And there's, this, and there's sacred truths and principles that we desire to embody in whatever form our community life has looked like. Now, one thing that we have heard regularly, um, especially over the last couple of years since COVID, is the, is the desire for some version of a small group ministry for our campus. Um, something that has like a medium level of commitment, something that's more than just um, coming and attending events when you get a chance, um, but is uh, a less commitment than um, than necessarily asking somebody to begin to disciple you, um, which is pretty high commitment. A place, in other words, where you can know others and be known by others. And so with that in mind, um, we are excited that um, moving into this year, sometime later on in the spring, we're going to be launching community groups um, for our campus and in our context. Uh, I'm really excited about these because... um, I know that this has been something that I have uh, loved in other church experiences in my past. And it's one that has been uh, a need that has been discussed in different forms over the years. And the idea with our community groups is they're going to be launching in a way that's going to not detract from the idea that all of a sudden now we used to always do things all together. And now we're going to only see each other on Sundays. What instead we're going to do is try to find a hybrid approach to what this can look like. So with that in mind, our community groups are going to be launching in a way that's going to be a twice a month commitment. And so you, it can be on any day of the week, any time of the day, other than Sunday nights at seven o'clock. Please don't do that. That would be unhelpful. But they're going to be hosted in various homes around our area. And our desire is to have space for everyone, both young and young at heart, in our community. Uh, the idea is that the first that your community group would be on the first and third week of each month. And on the first week of each month, you would come together for something that uh, we're calling communion meals. And communion meal is essentially a potluck meal that everyone's participating in. And we even have different themes and recipe ideas that are going to go with it um, so that you can just have an enjoyable meal around the table together. And then towards the end of the towards the end of the time of whatever time you meet, you'll take communion together, and we're going to equip the different um, hosts to be able to uh, to facilitate communion. And the idea is that you would be seeing that this is a space, a holy space, when we come together as community, when we are sitting at the feet of our Rabbi Jesus, and we are just sitting at the campfire with him. And then on the third week of each month, we're going to do some type of a fun event that will be hosted in the same home. Maybe it's playing a board game, a yard game, uh, escape room type game. I don't know. Something that's going to be engaging and inviting for other people to just kind of come in and just enjoy time with one another. 
Now, the reason why we're not asking our groups to meet weekly, although if your group so decides to, you're more than welcome to do that, is that, uh, is that we want to alternate community groups with our existing Bible study space that's been really, really cool to watch evolve over the course of the last year. Now, Bible study will happen on the second and fourth week of each month. Also, if you're getting confused by the calendar dates on all this, don't worry. We're going to keep communicating it. Pay attention to the email as well, and we'll continue to get you all the information on that. I realize our calendar is wonky. But Bible study has continued to be a place for our entire community to come together. So in other words, first and third week, you go into your community group with the people who are in that community group with you who have committed to that. And then on the second and fourth week, we'll come together for Bible study. In the same form what we've been doing, where we take time to enjoy some snacks together, connect with one another, pray for one another, spend time studying the scriptures together. And so that's kind of going to be the rhythm. First and third week, community group. Second and fourth week will be Bible study. And I'm really excited about what this this shift could mean um, for our community and the deeper sense of intimacy that hopefully a group space will incorporate for our community. Um, Uncommon Love at WW will continue to happen, um, but that's going to be on a regular basis as as well as uh, special events and different community, all community community dinners that we will schedule as well from time to time so that we're continually coming all back together as well as um, really investing in the individual groups themselves. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing I'm going to be talking about tonight and the biggest change something we haven't tried since essentially the beginning of when we launched as a life group uh, over 10 years ago. And the idea though, with all of this is not just because you need community. Although if you're a human being, you need community. It's because when we come together, Jesus is present. We're walking in the dust of our rabbi. So we're looking, we're looking for his cloud of dust and we're just following it wherever it goes. And that's going to take us into different homes. It's going to take us into Bible study. It takes us into here when we gather together to worship and to sit under the teachings of the scriptures. The focus is always, the why is always abiding with him. Experiencing the presence of our rabbi as we come together in our Sunday gatherings, in community groups, in Bible studies, in uncommon love, and in any other environment we ever facilitate and create. It's to abide. So, so far we've talked about, we follow the, we walk in the dust of our rabbi as we go out on mission with him. We walk in the dust of our rabbi when we come together with other followers of Jesus. But Jesus also had this crazy knack of also doing things like this image, Luke chapter five. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. So in other words, the word about Jesus and the miracles he's performing is going viral. And so everyone is starting to hear about him and the miracles he's performing and what he's been up to. And great crowds begin to gather to hear him him and to be healed of their infirmities. In other words, he's a big deal and everyone knows it. And then Jesus, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In other words, Jesus is too, there's too much work to not take time for solitude with God. Isn't that the opposite how most of us feel usually? There's too much to do to spend time with God. But no, that's not the way Jesus saw it. He's like, there's so much need. I need to go get recharged by just being with the father right now. See, Jesus didn't seem to think hanging out with the Father was some kind of spiritual chore. 
He understood that to, to truly draw, to truly serve anyone, to love anyone well came out of intimacy with the father. And if that's what the son of God thinks, then how much more for us? See, we walk in the dust of our rabbi as we follow him into intimacy with the father. And see, the way that throughout the history of the church that this is lived is by engaging in what we have known as spiritual disciplines, disciplines of the faith. I like to call them the spiritual rhythms. Things like prayer, meditating and memorizing and studying the scriptures, fasting, silence and solitude, worship, sacrificial giving. There's so many different rhythms that you can engage on. But the idea is not that they are some type of checklist to be a better Christian or person or whatever. But they're to experience intimacy with our dad. There's this image that I wanted to close with tonight. It's from the book of Zephaniah. You're probably not gonna be able to find it easily. It's before Haggai um, in the Minor Prophets. And if that's still confusing, you can just listen. Um, And what's happening in this part, this is Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. Um, And so what's happening here is that this is a prophecy from the that was given to the prophet Zephaniah to share. And this prophecy is about the day of the Lord, the day in which all the wrongs and the uglinesses and the brutality and the hostility of this world are undone. And it says, on that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I love that verse. Sometimes um, when I'm holding Abby, she doesn't usually love to be rocked unless she's like super tired um, because she's now two, so she's a big girl. And so um, I'll be rocking her. And when I'm rocking her, like we'll have like this sweet moment, you know, where like she like puts her finger up my nose or something. And, but I'll be rocking her and it's just like the sweetest moment. And I'll sing over her. And it's really nice. There are other times when she starts squirming and all of a sudden that sweet moment is met with like this. And that's a lot harder to, to do like the, the sweet little rocking, right? Because like when somebody's like throwing their shoulder, shoulder checking you, it doesn't matter that they're two, it's still a little bit difficult. You're like, you're like, oh, you're going to fall out of my arms. Don't do that. Like, come here. I do that so often with God. Do you? You're spending time in intimacy with him, but you're so quick to rush off to the next thing. See, what I love about this, this, this image is it says he will rejoice over you with gladness. Gladness. The father will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. In other words, his love will turn down your volume. His love will turn down your inner thoughts. His, his love will close your mouth. And he will exalt over you with loud singing. And so as he turns down your volume with his love, he turns up his volume so that you can know that you are loved. That's what the father wants for you. He wants to hold you in his arms. 
And see, when we engage in the spiritual rhythms, when we do things like engaging in the scriptures, when we pray and when we fast and when, when we do these things, the goal is not just to be better. The goal is to posture ourselves to be in his arms, to be rocked back and forth, to be quieted so that he can sing over us. See, it's important that we are following our rabbi into the spaces of solitude with the father. Because when we're there, we discover what life's all about. We discover the truest wisdoms. Because when we're, when we're engaging in the scriptures, we get the words of God. We get to hear from God, his cares and his compassions, his kindnesses and his corrections. All of those things are evident in the scriptures. So we get to hear that. And as we pray with him, we get to dialogue with the father. He wants to hear what's going on. He just doesn't want to hear us say, I got to go, bye. So as a church, obviously this is a really personal and individual component of this. Everything is communal, but also going off in solitude is a you thing. We can't all go together in solitude. That wouldn't be solitude anymore, right? So this is um, one of the ways that we did realize that we could resource you um, is with a new uh, thing that utilizes the phone that's in your pocket currently. Um, there is an app that is called the Dwell Audio Bible app. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. I've been using it for a few years, um, but I finally looked into the church subscription for it. And uh, we went ahead and bought the church subscription for it for this year. And the idea is that this is a beautiful beautiful app that's been designed with different listening plans throughout. Um, and you can even pick certain parts of the Bible and put it on loop so that you can meditate on the same passage over and over again. I've been doing that. I started going through the book of Psalms and truly studying and meditating and memorizing it this year. And so I've been listening. I was doing it on the way to here, um, going through Psalm chapter four and just listening to it on, on loop. And you might think, wow, that's because Danny's so spiritual. Hopefully you don't actually think that. But the answer is no, it's actually because I'm very unspiritual and my mind wanders and I squirm out of my father's arm far, far too often and far too quick. So what I need is to listen to it on loop 10 times and just let it hit me over and over and over again, like fresh waves of his voice, his loud singing over me. And so um, tonight when we do the announcements, we'll uh, share a QR code and you can download that and you have it for free. Um, whether you call this your home church or whether you're just visiting, you're welcome to um, use our subscription for this year as well. Um, and I would just invite you into that space. We're also going to, hopefully I'll announce it next, be able to share this next week, but we'll launch a listening plan for wherever we're at this week in the scriptures. We'll have that so that you can preemptively have already been meditating on the passage that we'll be studying together when we come together each Sunday. But again, the goal is not to just give you a new app. The goal is to help you walk in the dust of our rabbi, to be with him, to draw near to him in intimacy with him. And that's our vision, to walk in the dust of our rabbi, to engage in intimacy with our father, to come together around the campfire with other brothers and sisters, to, be, to follow him on mission wherever he would have us go. So we do these things. 
We do these things and this will take us into spaces that are sometimes uncomfortable and sometimes um, boring, but all of them are with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I just have to believe that the worst day with Jesus is better, has to be better than just about any other day in all of creation. And so that's going to be our focus. That's going to be our vision. And our hope is that as we look for back at the end of this year that we would have seen in each of our lives and the lives of our community, this really take root in our hearts and our minds, that our vision has been changed as we have just been with him. So I'm going to invite the band to come on up. Now, maybe you like the results of doing things your own way. Um, and if that's you, go for it. But I don't like exhaustion or burnout and failure. I don't like it for me and I don't like it for you. What I want for you and what I hope you want for me and for one another is a life of genuine intimacy with the creator of the cosmos. That's available to you. That's available because what we realize is we walk in the dust of our rabbi, but our rabbi is not just one of many great teachers throughout the history of the world. He's not just a teacher. He's our savior. He's a savior. He is, the, he is the unblemished lamb of God who is sacrificed so that we could live. But he's not just our savior. He's also our king and our Lord. He gets the rights to call the shots. He gets to tell us where to go and when to do it. He gets that right. Not me, not you. He is our king. He's our Lord. But he's also not just your king and Lord. He also calls you friend. <laughs> friend. We're friends with our rabbi. We're friends with our savior. We're friends with our king and our Lord. And so with that, I want to invite you to just go ahead and close your eyes for a minute. And I want to read over you this passage from Zephaniah 3 one last time. The Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you don't give up on us even when we are tempted to do that for ourselves and towards you. Lord, my prayer and my request to you is that you, even right now, would be working in our hearts and our minds, quieting us to hear your voice. That you would be quieting us by your love, that you would be singing over us so that we would know that we are yours, we are loved. I pray, Lord, for this year ahead for us as a biblical community. I pray that you would be using us and transforming us as individuals and as a community as a whole, that we would be a people so sold out and focused to Jesus and to his way that nothing else matters, that everything else flows from that point. So Lord, we pray that you would bless every effort that is made to draw near to you and that you would withhold blessing from any effort that does the opposite. 
anything that would draw us away from you. We need you, Lord. It's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen.